0: Welcome to the official ABA Law Student Podcast, where we talk about issues that affect law students and recent grads. From finals and graduation to the bar exam and finding a job, this show is your trusted resource for the next big step. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the ABA Law Student Podcast. I'm Meg Steenberger, 2L at Syracuse University College of Law, JDI program. Today, we are honored to have with us three people with whom we'll have a conversation about law school, lawyering, and how one relates to the other. With us are friends from Syracuse University College of Law, Shannon Knapp, a recent graduate and now associate in a prestigious Central New York law firm, Bon Shennick & King. Sarah Roberts, entrepreneur based out of East Texas, mom to six children and a 2L with me. And Tiffany Love, a 3L, also a mom and an Air Force spouse and civilian paralegal for the Army JAG and Kaiserslautern, Germany. Both Sarah and Tiffany are part of the JDI program with me. Thank you so much for joining us today. I first have to start with it's break time in law school, and I find this time to be somewhat of a mixed bag. Cannot wait for it. Feel blessed to be done with another semester, excited to be my fam with my family, but nerve-wracking without the grades, somewhat of a letdown because you don't have direction and that frenetic pacing is all over. How is it the same or how is it different for you guys? What kind of guidance can you give for making it through a break? Tiffany, I'll begin with you.
2: (laughs) This is like my my third break, I guess, in the the program. And for sure, like the first two were just on edge, biting your fingernails, waiting for grades. Um, But this time around, I am using the time to read as much as possible. Whatever I want to read, and so I've been focusing on that instead, and um, my Peloton, and <laughs> that has kept me from stressing out about waiting on grades. I love it, reading and Peloton, Sarah. How about you? Well, I don't have a Peloton, so I'm
3: stressing out waiting on grades. My kids just finished school, so now I feel like my break has begun. So we will um, start relaxing a little bit, and for the first, this is the first break where we haven't had to prepare something to go right back in because normally we have an intensive week and this time I don't have an intensive week. So I actually, I think I will read like Tiffany a little bit. Like I'll have a couple of weeks of actual nothing required, which is I think the first
1: time since we've started. So Shannon, you're out in the real world now. And for some background, Syracuse has this great academic success fellow program and like actually turned down working on a journal to do this ASF because it meant so much, Shannon, and your guidance meant so much. Uh, you are ASF for Civ Pro in writing. How did you manage your break time with your when you were a student, and then how did that change throughout the years? Kind of like what Tiffany was saying, one L is a little different than two L, and you you get into that rhythm. But and then do you miss it now?
4: Good questions. So our break structure was a little different since I wasn't part of the JDI program. So we had like month long breaks or summer breaks. So there were longer break periods and I felt like the break period over the holiday season was harder than the break season, summer season. Cause the summer season, at least we were going into like internships or clerkships or something like that. So you had some good distractions, whereas you have the holiday season, but it's also, I mean, I live in New York, so it's cold. And so there's not like a ton to do and also COVID and things like that. So waiting for grades would be at top of mind, but I think, what everyone else was saying, finding distractions, outlets, and things like that. So you're not ruminating and just thinking about it all the time. And then it definitely did change. Obviously, the first break from the first semester of one-all into the second semester of one-all was like the hardest break because you had absolutely no idea how you did. Finals were hard, no idea how the curve's gonna be. And then each break got easier and easier. And then by the time I was going into my last semester break, it was less of the top of mind. Cause at that point I was like, ah, eh, I'm ready to be moving on. But then now I'm out of it and I do miss having breaks. Cause now it's like, I have to schedule my vacation time or schedule what time I'm going to have off, but then there's always work to do. So then it's like, can I really take the time? But then you should. So it definitely changes in the real world for sure.
1: I would say too, you used to send us pictures of s'mores near a beautiful campfire. <laughs> During yes. break, always <laughs> obvious of your just dis- your ability to disconnect. But how about, you know, we're we're in a period now too where we don't know how COVID is going to impact us once again. How did you manage that, Shannon? With your residential, you know, just knowing everything was in flux, then boy, am I gonna be in the classroom? Am I gonna be online? How did that? and we see a lot of headlines right now? How did you manage that?
4: Yeah, so I was in the true COVID class, I guess we could call it. So my last half of my last semester of law school was when COVID first started. So we moved from, I was always in person to online learning. And then I took an online bar exam. I had an online swearing in to become an attorney. So I never had a real graduation. So all my things were very different because we had the true 2020 class. But I think you just kind of have to roll with it. Like you have to be flexible. You can't be too rigid in what you envisioned your future plans to be or envisioned with the things you thought they would be. And so, although I never envisioned studying for the bar exam for so long or taking it online or things like that, you kind of just have to roll with it and be flexible, which I mean, practice you have to be super flexible too because you never know what a client wants. You never know what a partner, senior associate needs from you. So you have to just be flexible in your expectations and also be able to roll with the punches essentially, which I think applies to COVID as well. And I mean, COVID has changed practice a lot too. And so just being able to adapt is really important.
1: Tiffany, how does serving as a paralegal now help you keep perspective in law school?
2: On one hand, um, I've been able to take a lot of the information and see the practical application of it and you realize how much you actually retain when you when you're put on the spot. Um, in legal assistance, we deal with a, a wide variety of things from divorce, marital separations, divo- um, wills, and just your everyday power of attorney, real estate closings, and all of that. And being able, when they come with a question, to pull it right out, and it's like, oh my gosh, I learned stuff in law school, and it and it works here. So in that way, it helps me to to see the practical, actual real life application of what we're doing. And then on this on the on other hand, is that it helps me remember that no one cares about the facts of certain cases <laughs> in, real, in the real world. It's like, yeah, I had to learn. You know, we learn these cases. We learn all the holdings and all of that good stuff. But nobody cares in the real world. Your clients don't care um, what fault. You know, with Miss Paul's graph. your other clients. I mean, <laughs> the other attorneys do. Like I've already told them, my next cat is going to be named Miss Paul's graph. <laughs> But none of the clients. That it doesn't matter. You know, when it when it comes to that. But having the practical application of what we do has definitely um, helped me to. I guess, in one hand, to be able to distill down the important parts of what you really take away from um from law school yeah I, I want to jump back to you shannon then real
1: quick like you know they say there are three groupings in our world the the law school the bar and lawyering and that they are separate and yet they they intersect so how do you do you see it has your experience been similar to to Tiffany's and that, yeah, there are some things you take from law school, but not as much as you thought, or how does it work in the real world?
4: Yeah, I would add a fourth grouping to that because your early years of practice, I think is this a whole nother learning experience. And so I would say it's like law school bar exam, early law life, and then more senior levels of practice. And I mean, in terms of law school, I think the skills definitely translate over. So reading comprehension, obviously writing and things like that. And I mean, I remember like a lot of, I mean, also the things I was a academic success fellow for, I think I have a better memory of, because I kept talking about them. So like civil procedure, but I don't practice civil procedure at all. And so a lot of it's, and like the ability to research, but a lot of it's more of the skills from law school than really the actual information, I think. So I know how to research, I know how to write memos, I know how to do statutory interpretation and things like that. But I'm learning every day um, different areas of the law depending
1: on what
4: I've been assigned to do.
1: And that reminds me, because you're focusing... So it seems almost now that you go to law school, but there's also this specialization that also happens through certification and other, de- I don't know if they're necessarily degrees, but there's almost one more step now.
4: Yeah, at least how uh, Bond works at Firm IMAP. So we had a rotation period where we rotated through all of the different basically practice areas that the firm offers. And then based on interest and need, we were had ability to kind of more specialize. So for example, some of my colleagues are doing general litigation. So you're specializing in litigation, but doing general lit. So you're kind of seeing a little bit of everything. I went a little bit of a different route and I specialize in a pretty specific area of the law. So I do cybersecurity and data privacy law. So now I've explored more things like you mentioned, like I now have a certification in private US privacy law and things like that. So depending on your interests and kind of the needs of where you work and things like that, you might end up narrowing down your focus And then you're obviously going to learn more and more, the more and more you dive into a certain area of the law and the more you practice it.
1: But did you have any courses in that?
4: I did not, actually. My summer at Bond, I worked with a couple of attorneys here who practiced it and I thought it was interesting. And then actually, Professor Goulden at the law school now teaches a privacy course, but it was offered the semester after I had left. And so I didn't have really any background in it. It was more just from experience, but it crosses over into certain other things like an international law course could have been helpful. I didn't take that because of GDPR and things like that. Or there's an internet law course, which would probably be the next closest thing.
1: Sarah, you entered law school thinking elder law. Now you're also considering focusing on legal ethics. And how do you approach narrowing your interests? And when you, you know, when you look at law school, do you say, Why am I taking courses that seem irrelevant? Do you see it building? Um, I think every class in the
3: beginning was really interesting. So that was helpful because when I first started, I had no clue. And then the very first class, I just started asking professors or people like Shannon, like, what do you find most interesting? Who are the happiest lawyers? And so by and large, almost everyone said the happiest lawyers were elder law attorneys because they got to solve problems before they became problems. And so that's sort of what I started looking at. And I got to take an elder law class during COVID because we had extra opportunities to take classes. And so that was a fascinating class. And but then we took professional responsibility and I was fascinated with that. And so now what I'm starting to do is weed out classes that don't seem interesting. So, like Shannon just said, you know, international law would have been good, but we took that and it wasn't like it didn't speak to me the way professional responsibility did. So that was helpful too, because now I know. I don't think I'm meant for treaties. But I do like rules. So that that's been helpful now I'm on the I'm on the weeding outside of it I think of being able to say I don't like this, but everything's fascinating. I don't everything's fascinating.
1: Yeah, I agree. Tiffany, during your presentation, I think I heard you say you're interested in serving as a tax lawyer. So how did you land yes. on that <laughs> and what does that mean for you once law school is over do you
2: have to go further? It was actually the Fed income tax one class where I started to think, oh my goodness, I could, I could see myself doing this, um, and I think what it drew me to tax was the fact that it stumped me, and it, and I, and I could see, I had this desire to master it. I love the code, and I have this desire to master it, and so. Um, when something challenges me like that, that's it stimulated something in me. And then after that, I took business associations and commercial transactions. And I'm like, I could so see myself as a corporate attorney and specializing in tax. And so that has been what has lit me up ever since. I came in thinking I would do civil rights um, and social justice. And I remember I spoke with um, Professor Banks and Professor O'Malley, two of my Kind of mentor professors, and I told them I said I feel torn. You know, I have these two tracks, and then um, I thought about how do those come together. While well, I'm reading a book during my break called The Whiteness of Wealth, and dealing with how um, racism is ingrained in our tax policy and our tax code, and so I'm seeing a path forward of how um, those two things come together and the role that perhaps i'll be able to to fill in that and adding my voice to that and adding my experience to that and so um yes taxes that is where my heart is singing these days and that's where i'm walking towards so i i i am likely going to go ahead and go towards a tax llm and to specialize in that as well but definitely taxes that is where my where my path is leading and hopefully and i you know, see the place where it will intersect also in the area of civil rights. Oh, my gosh. I am fascinated by what you just said, because,
1: yeah, I mean, I I hear tax law, I hear commercial transactions, business associations. Those are every course from which I feel I'm running. (laughs) And so to hear you embrace it, but then also create that intersection. Do you see this as heading down the political side of things? Do you see it heading into a firm? how, How do you see yourself affecting change?
2: I'm open to the possibilities of that. I do not have political aspirations, however, people around me seem to think that I do. <laughs> I do not have those. Although I've that. been a military spouse for 20 years, I have no political aspirations. If, however, it does lead me down that road, I'm gonna go for it for, you know if, that, if that's where it leads me. That's not where I am right now. Um, And so I I do think that being a part of a firm would be a good thing for me. And I know that for us, military spouses and military people here in Germany, there's been an issue with taxation and treaties. Um, And so that's also been something that's in the back of my mind um, right now and an issue that is actually, you know, a real life issue that's affecting people that come into our office at times. But I'm open to wherever the the doors open for me in this. Wow.
1: All right. We are speaking with Shannon Knapp, Tiffany Love, and Sarah Roberts. We'll be right back. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot c-c and get $500 off
2: with code HAPPY24.
0: This episode is brought to you by the American Bar Association's Law Student Division. It's never too early to start exploring potential practice areas and building your network in the field the Law Student Division provides students like you with resources and experiences aimed at helping them succeed in law school and prepare for what's next. Claim your full law student membership for just $25 by visiting ambar.org slash join.
1: And we are back now having a conversation with recent law school grad Shannon Knapp and law school students 3L Tiffany Love and 2L Sarah Roberts. Sarah, how do you balance life with six children with law school? And how do you plan on doing that through the lawyering too? Because I'm doing a poor job right now.
3: (laughs) I don't think there is a balance. That's what I've learned um, since I started law school. But even especially this year, we've had some major issues at our house. And I think we just put things on a different perspective. It's one of the bonuses of being an older student is law school was never everything in my life. It couldn't be. And so I was able, you know, in the beginning, grades were really important and I was really stressed. But every semester gets a little less stressful. And then this year when we had some health issues, I had to sort of lean into the fact that it was not going to be my best semester. I was not going to, my grades weren't going to be the best because I had to prioritize my family over school. And that was a balance, but it's not a true balance. There's never... It's never equally weighted, and so I think you just have to lean into the idea that something suffers. I, I can remember for a semester someone coming on to an ASF call and saying, well, my kids have gymnastics every Saturday. Like, how am I supposed to balance that? And the ASF said, you can't. Something has to give. So either you're going to give up your studying on Saturday or your child should give up dance on Saturday, but that's your call, but you can't balance spending your day at the ballet studio with studying. There's no, you can't do it. And so I think once you give into that, you're much happier because your expectations, you've lowered the bar, you've lowered your expectations for yourself, which I think I I needed to do.
1: You need to do, but you're still doing very well. And I, in your situation, I think I probably would have dropped out of law school. So good good job on you. <laughs> law school maintained my
3: sanity at that, at that point, which is a bizarre thing, but I think law school and you... Um, that's what kept me sane all last summer. So.
1: so Tiffany, you're entering your last semester. How do you stay motivated? I see you in class and I think, oh, competition is fierce. Now I understand why, because you take everything on. <laughs> it's a challenge. You love it. Um, how do you do it? You're at class also, I think, at two in the morning because you're in Germany. How do
2: you do right. it? How do you stay motivated? I will be honest. I am not always motivated. And so, because I am not always motivated, I have to be disciplined, and I think that's really the key. Because there are plenty of times I am not motivated. Um, like Sarah, I had I I had a major surgery at the beginning of this last semester, a major surgery, and. Yep, I had to let things go. It's like, well, it is what it is. That's what pass fail is for, and we're just got to go forward with it, and I you just have to be disciplined and there are just some things where it's like okay this is what you must do we have a motto in our family that guides everything we do it's we do what we must so we may do what we want and sometimes there are things that i just must do because there are things i want to do i want to graduate law school <laughs> that means i must get my reading done i must you know, at the very least, do the minimum of, of what I have to do to get through. So in the times when I'm not motivated, I am at least disciplined until I can get that spark of motivation back um, and then and be fired up and, and fresh again. And these breaks are a major time for me to refresh um, and get restarted. You know, I think that is you guys have both brought
1: up, Sarah and Tiffany, just... You know, the the moment you think it's hard, then you remember that people have so much more going on in this world. And it it gives you pause and puts things into perspective. And I think we're hearing a lot about mental health and anxiety that's already prevalent in this side of in, in lawyering. And so you're learning incredible skills now to be able to put things in perspective when you are in a firm or wherever you choose to go. Shannon, what do you see from your side of things, does this, trying to think of the right way to say this, but like when you hear this, do you say, yeah, I, this is important when you're a lawyer later on to be able to say, okay, I'm going to focus for an hour on this and then I've got to do something else. Or how does this translate in the real world? And what do you see in a firm?
4: I think going back to what I was saying earlier with like skills from law school that translate into practice, like the time management, the prioritization and things like that translate into practice as well. So that in terms of the actual work you're doing, you can prioritize the numerous assignments you have and know what needs to be done immediately, what you can push aside a little bit so that you can get the immediate things done and then move to those. And, but then also in terms of your personal life too, being able to balance like, okay, we have all this work we need to get done, but I need to go to the gym. I need to see my family. I need to cook, like clean my apartment, all those things. And those are the things I've always had the easiest time pushing aside, but especially I'm a year into practice now. So I've tried, I'm getting better and better about being like the client can wait an extra hour at this point, And then, unless obviously it's an emergency, but most of the time I can set this aside for a little while, go do the things I need to do and then go back to it if needed. And I think I've seen that from a lot of my colleagues as well, especially colleagues of children. I know some of the women I practice with, they'll log off at 4.30 exactly and then go spend time with their kids until 8.30 or 9 when they go to bed and log back on for another hour or two if they need to. And so finding that balance and prioritization as well, I've seen um, not like with my colleagues as well.
1: Can I ask like what what surprised you the most in law school? and I'm gonna start with you, Shannon, but what surprised you the most and then made sense after? For me, I think of the curve and this sort of cannibalistic nature of law school. Does it make sense now that you're out? Does it ever make sense?
4: The curve and like the inherent like competition of law yeah. school? I mean, I can only speak to my experience. and so my firm isn't like that at all. Um, we're very collaborative, very, team oriented and it's not really a competitive environment. I can't speak to all firms or all law jobs after graduation. So in my experience, I guess that doesn't necessarily make sense, but I mean, I guess it's a motivation factor in some ways. And so that's something I guess I can think of in terms of the curve and things making sense, but at least in my, or my experience post law school, it hasn't really necessarily translated the competition
1: aspect of things. Sarah, what surprised you the most with law school?
3: Um, I think because we're doing it remotely, I didn't think I would make connections with people. And so I think the the friends I've made have, I mean, they've saved me, but also it's just, it's been such a grounding thing and such a help with people who know what you're going through, who you can commiserate with and just be upset with or be frustrated with. And and they and they know, they know what you're doing. And so I think that surprised me because I thought, oh, I'm going to be all alone. No one's going to get it. I'm not going to make friends. We're all all over the world. But it has really that's been, I think, the best
2: part. I agree with that, too. Tiffany, was that is that a similar surprise? Yeah, I I, I agree with with both answers. <laughs> I, I really don't have anything to add to that. Um, the connections and like you said, the the competitiveness. I am not a competitive person. I am my biggest competition. I will be your biggest cheerleader because I think that there's a lane for everybody. And so I knew to expect competition, but I, I guess it ended up being a little a little more than I expected. And that's okay because I'm like, I'm not going to play those games. That's just not who I am. Um, but And I wish more people could just be like that. It's like, we're all going to be okay, guys, but it's okay.
1: I know that's, I remember going in that very first meeting and saying like, oh, I can't wait to make connections and meet new people. And and someone said to me, no, I'm I'm here to keep my scholarship and be at the top of the class. So I, I have no time for friends. I'm like, oh, okay, next. Like, <laughs> so it just surprised me that, because I, I feel as though lawyering should be more collaborative. I'm so happy to hear that, Shannon, because I think that We spend so much time, I think that you've got to you do have to talk through it. I'm someone who likes to talk through it. That's probably not a surprise, but I I just remember one of the professors saying, make sure to get a job somewhere where you can talk, because you need to talk through everything to figure it out. And I feel as though that there are we have enough problems and enough issues in the way that it's it's handled right now. So as as you watch the ABA consider things like, do we need a bar? Do we need, should we change things up? How would you change things? I mean, Shannon, you, you took the bar. How has the bar, how did the bar influence where you are today? Do you think, is, is there another route that you would have taken to enter into firm life? Ooh,
4: a lot of questions. I don't know. Um, it's one of those things, studying for a bar at the time, I was like, because they were considering not doing the bar exam because of COVID. And so it was like actually a pretty real possibility for my class. There might've been, diploma privilege, I think they were calling it, for practice. And my friends and I would discuss it and we were very torn about it because it's almost like a rite of passage type thing. And there's a lot of people who practice, who have been practicing for a long time, who think the bar is necessary. And I think maybe would look at you a little different if you didn't take it, which is in itself a problem, but a reality. And then at the same time, is getting a JD enough? I mean, I don't know if the bar exam really prepared me anymore for practice in law school did. It just was a stressful couple months of studying and taking a test and waiting for results. So I don't know where I stand on it. It's still something I'm thinking about, I guess. And so kind of up in the air, curious to hear arguments on both sides of things.
1: Yeah, and it's hard because you hear, um, you know, just even in terms of, as I look to different areas of law that I'm interested in, it's nothing that's on the bar. And so then you say, well, what classes do I take? Do I take bar-specific classes or do I take, like Sarah said, you sort of narrow down, oh, well, I'm actually interested in this. I'm going to take this, even though it's not on the and it's not going to help me. But Tiffany, if you could make any changes, what would you, what changes would you make to law school,
2: to entering into the profession? I think that I would make diploma privilege the the thing across the board, um, just Thinking about the fact that law law school period, the legal profession is so gatekeeped and it's so difficult for people like me, women of color, people of color. um, There's so many barriers to get there in the first place, to get through it, and then to get on the other side of it and to still have this one more hurdle um, to get through, which is an expensive hurdle. It's a time-consuming hurdle. And sometimes in... I've had this conversation with my husband it's like why well, can't law school be his own right of passage you know when it when it comes down to it I understand um the tradition of it I do and but maybe there's a better way to to do the the bar exam but I admittedly I, mean, I am in favor of bar just um diploma privilege Sarah do you have any
1: thoughts on it
3: I don't know cuz part of me says you know, you see people who maybe skate through doing less work. And so my like last hope is, oh, well, the bar will weed those people out because you want to have good lawyers. And so if you see people sort of doing the least amount of work possible, then you say it and you have like a pass fail class. And so there's no consequence to doing the least amount of work possible. You've passed the class. And so my like my hope in that is like, well, at least there's the bar. But also, it's like if you had diploma privileges, there would just be bad lawyers who would weed themselves out professionally anyway. So I don't know if the bar, you know, if you really need the bar to weed people out, because if you do a bad job, you will weed yourself out on your own. So I don't I don't know.
4: And unfortunately, I know people who haven't passed the bar who would be very good attorneys as well. I know people yeah, and passed the yeah. bar who I'm not sure
3: how the <laughs> practice will be so. I mean, like there's testing anxiety is a huge thing. And there's some people who would be great lawyers who are just bad test takers. And so that's a hard thing, too. And like Tiffany said, it's it's so expensive or if you want to practice in two states and you've got to do it
1: twice or yeah, there's a lot. And the time off the expense of also not not only you have to pay for the prep and pay for all that, but the time off and away from a job or your family, like those are all things that that add up as well.
4: Yeah, I ended up having to work a part-time job while I was studying for the bar because I got delayed so long. I ran out of money, basically. So
1: had to take a part-time job so I could pay my rent. I'm also, I I think uh, when I think of the bar, I just automatically break out and hive. So I think like, Sarah's very good at multiple choice. I am not. You know, it's one of those things too. You know what your strength is. And then Tiffany, you have a whole nother set of hurdles. I mean, I just I I do appreciate the argument on both sides. I um it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one, but I think that look there are headlines all the time. Uh, even just this month, I saw headlines about lawyers. Not only articles on burnout, but jail time for bank robberies. An ex lawyer convicted on espionage charges would like to be back in the bar. Shoplifting groceries, a five year prison sentence for defrauding a nine year old. Like it's not as though what we do to get into the bar is necessarily, um, or to you know to become a lawyer, it's not necessarily the perfect solution anyway, because people are making it through that necessarily shouldn't have made it through. All right. One final bit of advice from each of you. And I think I'll start with Sarah and work my way up to the 3L and the recent grad. But Sarah, what's one final bit of advice to those? It can be from any angle, thinking of law school, in law school, recent grads. I think I would just say Remember what's important to you.
3: So if your most important thing is your family, then you prioritize that way. If your more, most important thing is getting an A, then you prioritize that way. But you need to, you need to know yourself and have a realis- realistic expectation of what your personal priority is.
2: Nice. Tiffany? I say this to everyone who asked me, don't do it alone. If you have just at least one person that you can partner with, and even if you've never actually studied and it's just your venting partner um, who's also in the same position and understands where you're coming from, that makes a huge difference. Don't do it alone. Very good. Shannon.
4: Oh, um, I mean, both of those were very good advice that I agree with. And then I guess I would hop off of what Tiffany was saying. and. Go with like make connections and make meaningful connections in law school, but also just make try to get to know your classmates as best as you can, even if you're not friends with them, because they're gonna be your colleagues in the profession. And someone told me once, I might get a little bit wrong, but basically you never know. Like people will find you on LinkedIn or things like that. And if they need a cybersecurity lawyer, they'll see me and think of me. And if they liked me well enough, they might refer the work to me, or I've already referred multiple people I know to my friend who does real estate, because I have no idea how to do that. And so make those professional connections just throughout law school and be nice to people so that you can have a good network of people, one to support, but two to bounce ideas off of and refer work to people and things like that. And then also don't go it alone and yeah, just do the best you can. Honestly, law school is hard. Just try to do your best to get through it. Your journey is different than everyone else's. Just because someone's getting a 4-0 doesn't mean you need to or have to or will. And just do the best you can, honestly. That's the best way to do it. Same thing with the bar exam. Just do what you can. And then honestly, in practice, same thing. Just really do what you can. Do the best you can. And that's really all you can ask of yourself and
1: what others can ask of you. Fantastic advice from each of you. Recent law school grad, Shannon Knapp, two law students, 3L Tiffany Love, and 2L Sarah Roberts. Thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thanks, Meg. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Law Student Podcast. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the ABA Law Student Podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also reach us on Facebook at ABA for Law Students and on Twitter at ABA LSD. That's it for now. I'm Meg Steinberg. Thank you for listening.
0: If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. Remember, U.S. law students at ABA-accredited schools can join the ABA for free. Join now at AmericanBard.org forward slash lawstudent. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network,